Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Man of Steel one individual minute at a time. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate, as well as my Instagram page, Clutch Figures. And I'm Sam. You can find me at the Justice League Universe podcast, which I co-host and co-write with Alessandro Maniscalco. And I am on most active on Twitter at OttenSam. Uh, but you can also follow the podcast at JLU Podcast. Happy to be here. Cool. Awesome. Happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. And today in Man of Steel Minute, we're talking about Minute 46 of Man of Steel. Um, the minute starts with, uh, this is continuing from Jor-El revealing... Clark's origin, so I mean, or revealing that he was his father, um, and then this starts with Cal learning his real name, which is Kal-El. Starting to question everything. Yeah, and then the minute ends with Jor-El beginning to explain Krypton's history of exploration and all that. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, Kal-El learning that his name is Kal-El, and w- when do we first hear the name Kal-El in books or anything do do we know that yeah it's it's early on in action comics they the whole origin story they they go about and tell it i think the narration is from jor-el's point of view much like how we see it in this movie um but yeah he he deems his name kal-el like right very early on okay so like i'm assuming not the very first issue this is not i i think it is i want to say it is action comics number one that they say Kal El. Yeah, interesting. I think I'm probably gonna get yelled at for not remembering things like that, but I'm I'm fairly certain it is. Well, and sometimes I get confused. I'm not sure. There's Action Comics uh, number one, and then there was Superman number one, and they both yes. start with like the preamble. And I think Superman number one maybe had a little bit longer preamble than Action Comics number one did. Yeah. Um, but I I can never remember which one was which. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, yeah, the, later on in like the action comics, when they started to to deviate from just action comics into DC comics, and when they had the whole Superman title, things get muddy. And then retelling story and retelling the origins kind of repeats itself. But like you said, it it expands it a little bit more. Yeah, they they do the retelling so that they can add add to it. Yeah, and then you know they had the whole secret origins thing and yada yada yada. Cool. Um, I gotta say, I'm a, a big fan of uh, Henry Cavill's performance here. Um, it doesn't look like much, but it's the way that this British actor plays it, an American person, and, and the delivery of the lines. It feels believable. There's uh, facial expressions, there's pauses, there's... You can see wheels turning in his head yeah. as, as a character. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I gotta say, yeah, it's a spot-on performance. Um He's not just a handsome dude standing in front of a camera. So, <laughs> yeah, and his performance brings a lot of subtlety to it. Like you said, it is like in the facial expression. It's not these big gestures or whatever. But like when he hears his name, this kind of smile starts to crack across his face and you can sort of tell that inside he's pretty excited to be finding this stuff out that he's always been wondering about. Um, but he he doesn't like emote hugely because he's also still curious and he's in this weird ship and he's talking to like a hologram. So he's still like a little bit figuring out his surroundings and trying to take it all in. But yeah, his performance, you can see there is this excitement now that is budding inside of him. And I think it'll come out more later when he goes back to his mom and then he lets it out a little bit more like how excited he is about this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like that you noted that he cracks a smile. It is. I mean, it definitely drives a point home where 
his entire life he's you know had the feeling of mm-hmm. he he's had a, another belonging you know another name another purpose all yeah, that stuff and it's, it, it's uh, finally coming together and he's finally realizing it it's good it, it's really good performance all those years of of wanting answers and then someone finally answers it it's it's, it's got to be such a relief um but then it just opens more questions so oh yeah absolutely uh, which is what he you know falls up with he's like i have so many questions uh, where do i come from um to which joel um he says, uh, does he say you come from Krypton or does he say that right away or uh, I mean, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get this really cool and int- this is how we get to see this cool, not so much a montage, but it's more of like a simulation of visual storytelling. Yeah, it's like this visual storyboard that that begins to happen in the film. It's a really nice way to explain it and, and with with uh, visuals rather than just saying it mm-hmm. like with rather than just have Russell Crowe spit, spit the words out. Um, so the liquid geo, which we've come to know, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, it's, uh, it begins to shape this world of Krypton so that Kalo can see it. And then it begins to do this whole story. I like how their animation team decided to go this route. Um, and I yeah. found a featurette on it and it's supposed to be, Kind of a blend of Greco-Roman, like a relief statue, like, like ba- yeah, bas-relief yeah. um, art. Uh, how do you say, yeah, like a bas-relief. Um, so it's really cool. I, I I really enjoy it. It does have like not just like that kind of Greco-Roman feel, but it, it also seems very early nineteen hundreds theater ish. Like I feel like I'm watching something from like a Bioshock game. You know, the yeah, way the I way can, the yeah. things uh, slide, how it's turning, it looks almost like they're on gears. Yeah, everything because everything yeah. looks two D. It looks kind of uh, I don't want to say like one of those like Nickelodeon machines like from back in the day, but like very. It's uh, a good. It's a good reference. Yeah, it, um, it's very, I thought it was like the scene from like that Disney's Hercules, especially when the ladies are singing on the. Uh, you know the pots and everything it yeah. kind of has that similar feel to it i was thinking something like disney but i was like carousel progressy it just seems very yeah. very early 1900s it is i like yeah. it um i did have a question about this liquid geo room um is there only one and if so what do you think is the actual besides this visual storytelling what is the purpose of this room do you think it's like a like a map that they can look at you know on screen where they can track where their ship's going where they can remember see other planets this is the same room that had the captain's chair yeah so i guess i think yeah i think i I guess you could bring it up on screen i don't think it matters what room you're in no, you think it's just Liquid Geo constantly throughout the ship, so you can do this always? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> is the whole ship Liquid Geo? Can it uh, just turn into something like a Transformer? Can the can the Liquid Geo flow to another room and then start doing its business over there? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. if either way, I think it, it makes sense. If it is just the captain's room, then that kind of makes sense to have a lot of the Liquid Geo so that they can get full displays and full information, you know, there. But I think it could also make sense that maybe it's mobile or it goes, you know, around. Um, in the earlier scenes, like, Kelex has the liquid geo capabilities that travel around with him, yeah. mm-hmm. like, as he flows. So it does seem like there's a little bit of transportability of it. Well, then there's also, there's a scene where one of General Zod's men is trying to shoot down Kalo's escape pod, and his control panel oh, is the all liquid geo yeah. and, like, the cameras. Oh, yeah. So... Maybe that's just their Maybe version of screens. 
like digital screens and they just have it liquid geo where they don't necessarily need to see you know the color or the texture of anything <laughs> it's just kind of 3d printed right in front of them yeah so yeah. maybe this same liquid geo is is also used in like their keyboards and stuff like that so if someone's trying to use like a keyboard in the next room, but all the liquid geo is being used to tell the story, and you're like, "Hey man, can you not use all the liquid geo? Get off the liquid geo, Fi. Yeah, man, he's. Using... I'll give you twenty percent of the liquid geo right now. Oh. I'm keeping thirty percent for myself. You have to upgrade your plan to get more liquid geo. That's awful. No, but in terms of the like filmmaking, I did like it as a way to visualize, like you said, what Jorel was narrating. Um, and then I just also imagine being like Clark in that situation. So you're hearing the information from Jorel. That's all new information that you're really fascinated by. You're also seeing it play out. So you see some characters like, oh, that's like what the Kryptonians looked like. There's the headdress and all that cultural stuff. But then for Clark, he's also got to be thinking like, what is this liquid geo stuff? Like, yeah. he's also just being not only told the story of Krypton, he's also seeing this technology that's like way beyond anything that he's familiar with on Earth. Yeah. And I mean, it goes back to I think we said it in previous minutes before um, at this point. Uh, well, really, not really. Um, we were supposed to be on the same page as Clark with learning about all this stuff from Krypton. Mm-hmm. So it should be new to the audience. But we got the whole, you know, 30 minutes of Krypton in uh, at the beginning of the movie. So it's just a retelling. But I feel like m- maybe that whole Krypton sequence wasn't supposed to be in the beginning. Maybe we weren't supposed to see it. And, and we were supposed to be on the same page as Clark learning all of this and seeing it. And then it just goes back to another theory where, you know, if they did the dream sequence later on with Zod, he could have shown the Krypton sequence in the beginning. Yeah. So maybe it was just broken up into different areas, you know. I'm glad you brought that up because I listened to your guys' episode where you brought up that kind of idea of saving the Krypton stuff for here and then we all see it together. So as I was rewatching this stuff to get ready for the recording, uh, I was thinking about your guys' idea that came from that episode And the way that I think about it is I think there's kind of two things going on. I think part of the reason that they really wanted to open with Krypton was because, well, uh, they wanted to, I think, set up a kind of a sci-fi feel so that you could bring a sci-fi sensibility throughout the movie. Um, I think they also honestly were doing it as an homage or out of respect to the original Superman, the movie. And even maybe like a respect out of those first issues that we talked about because all of those things, they actually do open up by saying... There's this planet, there's this alien, the alien came to Earth. So I think they sort of were sort of like wanting to say, we're going to tell that same structure that's kind of like canonical for Superman, but we're going to create a new kind of version and a visual for Krypton. So I think there's a little bit of this like they're paying respect and kind of following the molds of previous um, you know, tellings of the story. And then I think the other thing is um, here... In, when Jorel's narrating it, he definitely covers some of the same terrain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is mentioned in that intro. But in the intro, 20 minutes, there is a lot of stuff going on, and there's also action and creatures and settings and all this stuff that's hitting you. And some of the stuff is mentioned just like half a phrase or like one word about like the genetics or about the core or about other things or about the exploration. Like Some of those were just like single words. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the audience would not have been able to catch it all and put it all together unless they got this narration. Because this narration fills in more of the details. It really says the exploration was actually scout ships, and it was this many years ago. And the the in a later minute, we'll get the whole story about the genetics and stuff. So I think it's really more detailed to make, sorry, to make sure the audience is getting it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
absolutely um i i enjoy both i'm not like opposed to either one i i you know the more information about krypton is fantastic to me um it uh especially the first 20 minutes it feels almost very star wars to me so i enjoy it a lot and i think it's great i think it's fantastic um i, I did like how you brought up that um I, I, it kind of happens a lot and it seemed to happen in later movies in this film franchise where the dialogue you know they do say you know one word or one phrase and it's supposed to explain a, a lot about these characters i think it was in this minute that Jor-El says, yeah, you know, Krypton has a harsher environment and, you know, that their, their gravity is more, you know, str- I th- maybe that's later on. But, like, the, the harsher environment uh, aspect definitely ex- is supposed to be the explanation for a lot of Superman's powers. And you just kind of get it backhanded where, you know, if you're, if you're a fan and you're intrigued, you take it in. But if you're, you know, general audience, you kind of miss it. Yeah, because if you're not that into Superman lore, then you're just like, why did he say harsh environment? Like, what is that supposed to be? Like, all right, you're just another planet. You didn't even have to say that. But you said it. Mm -hmm. But why? Because if Clark was on that planet, he wouldn't have superpowers. Mm -hmm. That's exactly... Yeah, so I see what you're saying. It's a... yeah, again, it's it's one of those Star Wars things where it's like, oh, this thing, can you speak to binary code of Bocce or something? It's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I know, th- yeah, later on in the film franchise, there's, especially with certain characters, uh, they just, you know, barely say some sort of exposition, but it, you know, relates to their entire character as a whole, which is just like clues that you just have to look forward. Mm-hmm. Look, yeah, look for. I think... Uh, Going back to what Sam said, you uh, so Clark is uh, seeing all this for the first time, and it's it's raising a, a lot of questions and trying to answer them at the same time. One question that I think needs to probably be touched on is why do they look the same, right? <laughs> I mean, if you want to go about it, it's it's kind of a, a central theme in a lot of sci-fi things that humanoid word gets thrown around <laughs> yeah. a lot. So I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like. Uh, and I don't know if this is, you know, going to blow people's minds, but maybe a humanoid being is the peak of an evolutionary process. And maybe people just kind of, you know, take that for what sure. it is. Lex Luthor would love to hear that. Yeah, well, <laughs> have him come down on a helicopter. But, you know, it, it seems like it, it happens a lot. Like the humanoid aspect is, is a very prominent thing, yeah. especially in the sci-fi community. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's almost like... Why do you look the same? Why yeah. Why are these people, you know... They, and I they think look there's exactly an explanation like for it. I think, uh, in my opinion, maybe it's a Prometheus thing where it's like, maybe humans on Earth are... Engineered. Products, <laughs> yeah, products are, they're, you know, they do link to Kryptonians in a way that we don't know yet. Yeah. Because you also have to think that there have been Kryptonians on Earth before with the whole Kara Zor-El and the or Dev-M. Dev-M thing. Yeah. Like, maybe we come from that. Maybe yeah. we're maybe we're connected somehow. Well, in the prequel, it still shows that there are Homo sapiens uh, after Kara landed her ship on Earth. They they do walk around the ship as it's as ice is forming over it and such. So it's not like they the evolutionary process came from Kryptonians. I don't know. But hey, yeah, I'm all wrong. with you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe we were engineered <laughs> this way. You never know. <laughs> um let's see uh it's it he says the planet 
Is it this minute? Yeah, he does say. It. I don't want to skip too, too far ahead. But so you said this was an an era of expansion. I'm sorry, an era of expansion. Either um, one does it yeah. matter? <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard someone say era. Uh, <laughs> Break the mold, Mark. Uh, so you said it was an era of expansion, but then the planet uh, was dying, so they stopped expanding. Which doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, I, I was kind of confused about because oh, they use up their natural resources. Mm-hmm. Um, to their home world. So I'm just trying to relate it to us so I can try and figure it out. So we're we're planet Earth, and let's say we colonize Mars or the moon or something like that. But then we realize that the original planet is dying. We've used up all our natural resources. So let's stop trying to move and go back and then die on our own planet that we... So I've actually got an explanation for this. So this actually crosses from this minute to the next minute, 47. In this minute, he says there's the expansion and exploration, and he says we sent out thousands of scout ships, you know, all over into space. Uh, in the next minute, he says that uh, they introduced artificial population control mm-hmm. and then called everybody back. So it was basically like there were two competing solutions for the problem. One was to like explore into space. The other one was to start to actually take control of all the reproduction on your planet. So he said that once, like he said, that artificial population control was put into place, and then that's when he said that they stopped the exploration. So and then the then what actually happened then was they I think that they viewed that as the solution. But fast forward thousands of years, and it actually wasn't the solution. They end up harvesting the core and going, and they had abandoned their thing that might have saved them if they had kept the exploration. But I remember that that order of the way Jor-El explained it, I think, was important. The exploration was first, then they introduced the artificial population control, and then they called everybody back and stopped the exploration. Should we be learning from this? Well, yeah, <laughs> yes. But I, we're missing, and I hope this somehow gets uh, explored upon, but like... It seems like we're missing a big political conflict yeah. within the, like the Kryptonian Law Council. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like we're missing something. Like you, uh, from what you're saying, it sounds like there are conflicting parties, very much like on our own political climate, um, and people thinking that progressiveness uh, is not the way, which seems mm-hmm. like ironic yeah i mean you kind of there definitely is a bigger story between the law council and the actual kryptonians um you get it in just and it's re- you got to really look for it but in the prequel the reason you know devm does get thrown into a prison he is sentenced to death but then he gets broken out by members of the law council that viewed his actions uh, not as bad as, as the rest of the council. So it already there, it kind of sets that the law council is torn apart within itself. There are people that have different views, uh, and it's, it does go back to what, what we were saying. Like, there's probably a bigger problem here, you know, on Krypton, and there's mm-hmm. probably a bigger problem within the law council. So you, you get it a little bit, but, I mean, you, you really got to... It, it's it's almost a stretch, but you got to look for it, and I think it's just like again, just the subtleties that you have to look for in these explanations. Yeah, and I th- I think when you go back to, and you know rewatch Man of Steel, and then you see the beginning Krypton stuff again, you na- it now kind of reads differently when Jor-El is saying like, look to the stars like our ancestors did. He's basically saying like, in the past you guys made the wrong call. 
you tried to go the population control route, that was exactly the wrong thing to do. We should have gone more the expanding, looking to our next horizons kind of route. Yeah, and I, I was, I'm just wondering if if Jor-El was the only one fighting. Was he the was he the losing party, or was there, you know? I'm thinking it was generations ago. Like I think you know it was still way in the past. So he's kind of like I think you know he's a descendant of the party that probably wanted to keep expanding. But I think it was way generations before. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. like, we do know that they had, do have prolonged life, so you never know. Maybe Jora was just a little, you know, little te- teenager true. or something <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I don't true. Know. I don't know how old anybody is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it is, like, hundreds of thousands of years, is, is said, I think, in, in oh, later yeah, well, minutes to come. Minute, but, yeah. um, but also, going back to prequel comic, uh, they say just that, and, and Kara is, the her actions are you know, distance from Earth and, and whatnot that we've talked about, but it, it takes her 20,000 years from oh, when yeah, she landed yeah. on Earth. So, like, that's that's still... Time is still relative, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And and it seems like the actions... Jor-El and Lara are not mentioned at all in the prequel. It's only Kara and her parents. But, uh, you know, Jor-El is his brother. Yeah. Is Kara's father. So it's... it's um, if he's... And really, this, all- yeah. All of the years would be Kryptonian years, right? Like, there's no reason the comic, the prequel comic, or Jor-El would be talking in Earth years, right? Exactly. So I actually don't. I don't know what the conversion is from years to Earth years, anyway. Uh, maybe we should have a <laughs> math person on. Uh, a, <laughs> call him up. I don't think they ever give the conversion rate I in the movie. I think it would be so. longer because it's yeah. a bigger, denser and, sun. And they have prolonged life. Um, See, I'm not good at math. It, yeah, and like their their days, their souls are probably longer than you know our uh, on here. So so their days might be longer. Their years are probably vastly larger than ours. So all of this does lead to the question: Do you guys have sci-fi, and are you looking forward to the Krypton TV series? Like, I think they're producing a pilot of Krypton. Yeah, like that, this some of this might be explored, like the culture, and if there's these different factions and political debates and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We we've I think we talked about it like yeah. way early on, like you know minutes, single digits. But but yeah, we're really excited to to see this this what this Krypton show is going to be about. Yeah, because unlike a show like Gotham. Krypton has the potential to be a show that's not just a prequel to how things came to be, but Krypton could be a really nice, like, metaphor or allegory to... What we're dealing yeah, with on Earth? to yeah. us right now. I so, think it always has yeah. been. I mean, every Superman comic that I've read when they touch on Krypton, especially, like, in The Birthright, it's just blatantly in your face that yeah. it, it relates directly mm-hmm. to the actions that we take on Earth. Yeah, I just wanted to. I want the show to be that, and I don't want the show to be like, uh, all right, well, it's going to be a prequel about Jor El and General Zod and the drama between them. And it's like, I, I, you know, that's cool. I'm glad that we're going to maybe see them in the show. But can we talk about planets dying, resources being used up? Can the we political talk, aspect. Can we, yeah. yeah. Can we get start? You know, getting political because that that's important, especially Krypton. Like, yeah. I don't, uh, it's like, I don't know. More space politics, please. Yes, more space politics. <laughs> more favor. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. I'm excited for it. I uh, can't wait. Uh, uh, getting back to this minute, I actually have one, one more note if you, if you want oh, yeah, to expand it. on it. Um, mm-hmm. It does start the visual storytelling with the Liquid Geo. And it shows, uh, Jor-El starts, it pans over, and it shows two beings, which who we assume are Jor-El and Lara, and you know they're they're raising their hands to the stars, uh, you know, wishing 
yada yada. I took that as possibly a nod to the statues that Clark makes in his Fortress of Solitude of his parents. Oh, nice. Um, they're not necessarily mm-hmm. in the same pose. Pose. Um, there, you know, but there's also been different, uh, you know, renditions of of those statues. But I feel like this is the closest we're going to get to that remembrance of it. And it's almost just like a little bit thrown in there. You know, Superman didn't make it, obviously, but it's like, hey, here, you know, if, if you go back to calling it, you know, like the relief statues and everything, it's like, hey, this is this is our version of it. So this is your way to remember mm-hmm. your parents and, and to commemorate them. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it, it seems like the a, a nod to European uh, art because European art always had like extended limbs. Like people yeah. were always like, you know, as opposed to like Egyptian where everything was like to the body so that it wouldn't fall apart. And so like with the arms outstretched, it seems very, you know, again, Greco-Roman. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice one. I hadn't actually thought of that, but I, I do think that is the connection, right? Cause this is sort of serving the role of the fortress of yeah. solitude basically. Mm-hmm. So now for at least a moment, you do get the parents in there. I think that's cool. I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah. Just, things hey, hey good 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 fine there you go um i'm just trying to think the other other main note that i had was just uh, to me this connects back to jo- the conversation with jonathan right because like jonathan had said you have this other father he sent you here for a reason and then what does clark ask he says like why did you send me like he he basically word for word asks the question that jonathan was saying there must be this answer out there hopefully you find it someday yeah that he's had to wait so. 20 years to to figure out which that's yeah. just gotta that's just got to eat away at you, especially yeah. if you all your entire life, you know, with these powers and everything that, you know, Clark has to go through. But, you know, 30 years, 20 years after realizing that, you know, you, you have these things and that you he was 13. So yeah, 20, 20 years yeah, yeah. like that's just that hits you hard. And again, it goes back to mm-hmm. his his facial expressions when he's learning all this. It's 20 years of him wondering and, and questioning every everything about himself. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, just, it's it's, uh, it's this, incredible. This will bother him when we have that tornado scene, like, because that, that, it's got to be playing, you know, it's got to be bothering him then. It's got to be bothering him when he's making his way up through Canada, like. It's got to be bothering him when that he snaps question, Zod's neck yeah. and he loses everything that he's had connecting to his home planet. Yeah, it's, he's a very conflicted individual, and that's one of the main reasons why I love the character so much. Yeah, and why I like this film, because they, you know, they. They touch really, on these things. Yeah. Yeah, it's very conflicting. That, yeah, it's hard to be bouncing around like all happy-go-lucky if you're actually a person who's a whole world away and you know grew up not knowing your full history and stuff. So yeah, I think it's to, to me the like authenticity of the character and in Henry Cavill's performance to me it really worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sense of isolation. The uh, I've, I'm not an adopted child, but I can assume that when you find out you're adopted, it could be very heavy at first mm-hmm. so uh and david goyer has an adopted child like he is a stepfather so like he said that he really put that into this script to be a stepfather and know what that's like to have a child who also wonders about their biological history oh wow i didn't know that it's good to man these people that have real life aspects to this really know how to tie a movie <laughs> together yeah i'm en- yeah i enjoy it I, this is why this whole scene to me, is a plus for the film. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, aside from it, of course, when you first watch it or first get into it, it's I, I've known to look past it now, but it almost seems like a retelling. 
And again, we've always questioned, yeah. like, why do you need the retelling? But again... Oh, uh, like Batman's yeah. death of his parents and stuff like that? Yeah. Like or there just was, even yeah. from the stuff from the beginning of the movie, too. Like, it's a fair question to say, like, you know, well, I kind of already knew this, or you already showed this at the beginning. But those are the pretty savvy people who probably know Superman's history really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, in general, like I said earlier, I think that some of this stuff is so important that to only rely on quick little mentions uh, is not enough. I think it actually helps to have quick mentions and then later give the fuller explanation. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, do you guys have anything else for this minute? No, I got a lot more going forward after this. This was just the beginning of um, of all this whatnot. I'm all set, yeah. Does that sound good for 46? <laughs> cool. All righty, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this minute. Uh, if you love what you hear, please uh, review us, subscribe to us, do all that reviews help us go up on the charts so people can find and listen to more about superman and the dc cinematic universe so please uh, help us out with that uh don't forget to check out the justice league universe podcast that's amazon uh and we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on dc cinematic minute